If you love tequila cocktails, then check out the award-winning 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. It's a -a one-of-a-kind tequila that is infused with the juice of real fruit. So it's smooth, it's not sweet, it smells fresh and bright, and it tastes incredible. 21 Seeds makes the most delicious and easy margaritas and cocktails so you can focus on the fun, like game night with your besties. With 21 Seeds, you only need two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Learn more at 21seeds.com. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds. Diageo, New York, New York. Shopping for your first home or a new home can be really overwhelming. You want to make sure that you have the right resources. And that's why homes.com is home shopping the way it should be. Here's what I like about it. You get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Because Homes.com's comprehensive neighborhood details, you get all the in-depth details, guides, videos, unbiased insight from a variety of sources. That is very useful. hmm There's also detailed school information. I mean, really detailed stuff like test scores, student-to-teacher ratios, so that you can have the info you need to find the right school for your kids in the neighborhoods you're looking at. Also, having the right real estate agent can make or break your home search. And Homes.com's agent directory and profiles offer a detailed look at each agent's experience so you can find out your perfect match. And Homes.com features the listing agent on each listing so you can easily connect with them without having to scramble to find contact info. Plus, Homes.com's unique collaboration tools let you connect, share, and search for homes with ease all in one place. Go to Homes.com to learn more. We've done your homework. I'm Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office Rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell you. We're The Office Ladies. All right, everybody, we are still saying goodbye to Toby. It is goodbye, Toby, part two. It's a long goodbye, but he deserves it. He's been at the company a long time. He deserves a two-parter. Michael's going to give him a big send-off, lady. He sure is. Guys, it's season four, episode 19, written by Jen Salata and Paul Lieberstein, directed by Paul Feig. Here is a summary of part two of Goodbye, Toby. Okay. An extravagant goodbye party is being thrown in the parking lot for Toby. Ryan is arrested for fraud. Michael discovers big news about Jan. Jim plans to propose to Pam, but gets upstaged by Andy. And Phyllis discovers a secret. Does she ever? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jumping right in. Fast fact number one. I'm calling this party time. Are you going to give me a breakdown of all the party? You know I am. We got fan questions from Abby M. and Yvette M. How many days did it take to film Toby's goodbye party? How long did it take to set it up? Well, you know I went to Kentopedia. He said it took one full day to set it up and two days and nights to film. We filmed April 17th and 18th of 2008. The Ferris wheel came from a company called Awesome Events, and it cost us $7,500 to rent that Ferris wheel for three days. Dang. 
Mm-hmm. That's a pricey Ferris wheel. Here's what I remember about those party scenes, Angela. It was very hot mm. during the day. And then at night, it got cold. Yeah. I remember I had hand warmers in my pockets at night. And you know when you go skiing and you put those toe warmers in your ski boots? I had those in my shoes for the night shoot. Also, whenever they didn't see our feet, we had Uggs on. And Jenna, I have an Ugg catch later in this episode. Whose Uggs do you see? Not going to tell. Guys, (laughs) you're going to have to wait for it. She's making you wait for it. Also, in between takes, do you remember our wardrobe department had these big puffy coats, like the kind that go down to your ankles, giant puffy coats, and they would bring them out to us so that we could put them on in between takes outside when we were cold. And you know what? What? I still have mine. You do? Oh, what a score. Yeah. And on the label on the inside of the coat, it says Pam written in Sharpie. Aw. Because that's how they knew whose coat belonged to who. They sharpied it. Well, these were like giant sleeping bags. Yes. Made into jackets. Well described. Okay, fast fact number two. I'm kind of sad. I know. This is not just goodbye, Toby. Nope. This is goodbye, Kentopedia. Yes. Kent Zabornak. This was the end of his run on The Office. Yeah. After this, he moved on. And he became the producer and production manager for Anger Management, Dear White People, and most recently, The Connors. He is an amazing, amazing production manager, you guys. We were so lucky to have him for four seasons. And Office Ladies has been so lucky that he saved, like, everything. Talk about digital hoarder. Kentopedia is giving you a run for your money, Angela. Well, I think he's beat me, but I just love him. And we loved him so much. Jenna, in anticipation of this being his last episode, I went through and found all of these emails during this week that I traded with Kent. This was like towards the end of my pregnancy, and he and I were having to schedule a lot of things around my OBGYN appointments and everything. And if I could share anything with you guys is the kindness and the thoughtfulness that this man had for every member of the cast and making the show the best it could be. And we were so sad to see him go. I just love this guy. I love him, too. And I love being in touch with him. And he was so great to us on The Office. And he's been so great to us on Office Ladies. We love you, Kentopedia. We love you, Kentopedia. And I'm going to share a few of our emails later in this episode. Angela, I want to share one of my favorite fun facts about Kent as we say goodbye to him. Okay, what? In his youth, Kent was an assistant to the creator of Golden Girls. Her name is Susan Harris. And she loved Kent's last name so much that when she wrote Golden Girls, she named B. Arthur's character Dorothy Zabornak. Amazing! Yes! He was the inspiration behind that name. He told me he was beyond excited by this honor. He was like, I mean, who wouldn't be? And then he went on to be the first assistant director on Golden Girls. And he said B. Arthur was like a second mother to him. He just loved her. That is so wonderful. I love all of that. We love you, Kent. Okay, rounding out my fast facts, fast fact number three. Angela, you came up with this idea, and I just loved it. (laughs) 
I think we should do it for every character. And now I'm like, oh, we might have missed a few. We might have to, in a revisited, do this for other characters. That's right. Here's what we're talking about. Angela said, whenever we say goodbye to a character, we should give them a show Bible goodbye. So I went through the show Bible and I gathered facts about Toby Flenderson. Yay! Here they are. Toby Flenderson, graduate of Bishop O'Hara High School, class of 89. He is divorced, but his wife is still his emergency contact, although her last name is Becker now. Mm. During his 12 years working HR at Dunder Mifflin, he has explained female anatomy to Dwight, told Kevin he should ditch Dunder Mifflin's health care plan and get on his fiance Stacy's plan instead because it's definitely going to be better. He sent out a memo regarding Jim and Pam's PDA, and he attended Jan's deposition and was present for the reading of Michael's diary. Toby is one of the founding members of the Finer Things Club. He bought Angela her baby jazz poster, and he can run a mile in seven minutes. (laughs) He's been trying to flirt with Pam and ask her out ever since season three. That is also how long he's been talking about going to Costa Rica. He started talking about that ever since he heard the Scranton branch might be closing. And now, after a very awkward moment of rubbing Pam's knee, he is finally leaving. Although, guys, he is going to come back. Spoiler alert. Oh, I love that. I love the show Bible goodbye. Show Bible goodbye. It's like a show Bible eulogy. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Well, we'll definitely have to do that for a few characters in a revisited, like for Karen Filippelli. Oh, yeah. That's going to be in a revisited. We'll do it. That is all I have, Angela. Quick fast facts today. I like it. I have some fun stuff from the shooting draft, but maybe... Before we get into this episode, we should take a little break. Let's take a little break, but I've got a lot to say about this one, so we might be short here up on top, but we're going to be long later. That's what she said? Is that a thing she said? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You decide over the break. Okay. So this winter... We went on a little ski trip with another family, and we got an Airbnb, which was so wonderful, right? Because you can make your own breakfast in the morning. We could even go there for lunch to warm up. Listen, I always want a kitchen with kids. Yep. I don't want to call room service for some sliced apples. I want to have my groceries. I need a kitchen. Yes. Well, this is why doing the Airbnb thing was so perfect. Yep. Well, this family we were staying with told us that they listed their house on Airbnb back in California. Oh, that's so smart. I know a lot of people that do this. It's like, oh, we want to go to Disneyland. We can Airbnb our place and then use that money to go. It pays for your trip. Yep. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode of Office Ladies is brought to you by Captain Crunch. Who said that kids get to have all the breakfast time fun, right? Break away from the ordinary with Cap'n Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. You know, life can be stressful, but a tasty bowl of Cap'n Crunch is an escape from the morning monotony. Enjoy bold flavors like original Cap'n Crunch, Crunch Berries, of course, right? Oops, all berries and peanut butter. Plus, the crunch you love is now available in cinnamon. Even in a sea of milk, the crunch of Cap'n Crunch is epic. 
Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture by Captain Crunch's new Cinnamon Crunch, now at a retailer near you. And learn more at CaptainCrunch.com. When you travel, do you ever think like, oh no, I hope I locked up? Did I leave a window open? Things like that. Well, that's why you should invest in Simply Safe home security today. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System in 2024 by the U.S. News and World Report, and Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. Well, you all have heard me talk about Simply Safe because it really is simple and it does make me feel safe. We went through the website and we picked exactly what we needed for our home. That's what I really like is you can customize what you need to fit your living space, you know? I love our Simply Safe. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash office ladies. That's simplysafe.com slash office ladies. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, we are back. And Michael is so excited to have his moment. It is time for Toby's exit interview. Michael shows up with a gift. It's wrapped. There's a ribbon. Yeah. He walks in the conference room with Toby. He shuts the door. He's ready to get started. But then what happens? He says this. Can I just say that of all the idiots in all the idiot villages in all the idiot worlds, you stand alone, my friend. And then right as he's about to really go off, Holly enters and he's like, "Uh oh, uh, hey. uh," And she's like, yeah, I've got to be here. This is part of my job. And he's like, no, no, no. Shouldn't you just tour some more? Go see the Baylor. She goes, maybe later. This this is actually part of my job. And then Pam walks in. She's like, do you need me to take notes? Toby's all over it. Toby's like, stay, Pam, stay. She's like, all right. Well, this is now not going as Michael had planned. He gets out his note cards. (laughs) he's written some questions again steve carell should have won 15 emmys i mean come on yeah this is the his of having all this stuff he wanted to just tee off on toby about and now having to dial it back and somehow be acceptable in front of this woman he's falling in love with every moment steve crushes his first question is (laughs) who do you think you are And Toby goes, I'm Toby. (laughs) Now, I hope you noticed in the background, I'm going to toot my own horn. I am taking notes. No, I know. I watched you write it all down. (laughs) And I am actually writing down, who are you? And then I wrote down Toby. (laughs) And a couple times I wrote down, he is Toby. (laughs) But my whole backstory, and Angela, I loved doing these scenes. I loved every time Pam's sole purpose in a scene was to take notes because I was just an audience member. I got to just sit there. I didn't have any like real lines I had to say or anything I had to do. You just had to try not to laugh. Pretty much. But I always took diligent notes. I really did because I liked to pretend that Michael would ask me to transcribe these meetings later. I like to think he made you go in his office and read the whole thing back to him. Just so he could feel important. Mm-hmm. This was like something he saw in an old movie once that secretaries do for their bosses. That's right. His second note card says, what gives you the right? 
And this is when Holly steps in. She's like, you know what? I brought the binder. Do you want to use it? Take a look at it? Yeah. And Michael starts to ask Toby if he has any suggestions on ways that, you know, Dunder Mifflin could improve itself. And Toby seems like he's going to answer this question until, oh, my God, Steve puts his hands up to his face to shield himself from Holly. And he gives Toby this look. It's so good. He actually mouths the words, I'll kill you. (laughs) Is that what he's saying? I missed it. (laughs) Yeah, He says, I'll kill you. And in the script, it's written that he does the slit the throat, you know, the finger across the throat gesture. Yeah. But I don't know if this was Steve improvising. I feel like he probably gave them a few different choices. But the one they picked was him whispering, I'll kill you. It's so amazing. And Toby just goes, I guess everything's okay. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he has this moment where he's like, I mean, I made it this far. Why not? Well, Pam is going to suggest that Toby open his gift. Toby, open it. What is it? And Michael's like, no, 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 no. You know what? Just, why, I, I, you guys, it's a rock mm-hmm. with a note on it that says, suck on this. I watched this episode with Lee. He laughed so hard at this joke. He couldn't stop laughing that it was a rock. He just <laughs> thought that was so funny. <laughs> Michael, you know, acts like he had no idea. And he's like, who pulled this prank on Toby? This is horrible. And Dwight's like, you told me to do it. And he's like, shh. And then he goes, you know what this was? It was a psych. Psych. Psyched you out. Because there's a real gift coming. And this is my second favorite thing to do as Pam after taking notes in a meeting, which is painting Michael into a corner. And she says, what's the gift, Michael? What is it? Oh, is it your watch? And he's like, it is. It is my watch. How did you know? And she says, I just knew. He's so ticked off. (laughs) He has to give Toby his watch. You know what? That's a genuine Seiko piece. He's going to have to give Toby the certificate that's framed as well, I guess. I guess he will. This delightful scene is interrupted by some hubbub in the bullpen. Everyone is gathered around Jim's computer watching a YouTube video. Yeah, Ryan is being arrested and someone has uploaded the moment and they're all watching it. I want you guys to know that they actually put that video on YouTube. It was a private account. So John is actually watching it during that scene. We all are. But it was a private account. When the episode aired, they made the video go live on YouTube so everyone could watch it. Oh, that's so great. I didn't know that. Yeah. But Michael is very upset. He's in his office and Holly is saying to Toby, what do you do in this situation? And Toby says, I don't do anything. Just leave it alone. But Holly is amazing. She goes into Michael's office and she really comforts him. Michael is crying. He's really sweet. He says, I'm worried about my friend. Yeah. And she says, that's normal. You take the time you need to have your feelings, which leads to just a wonderful talking head, Angela, that I love. Where Michael says, Holly is sweet and simple like a lady baker. And he just wouldn't be surprised to find out that she'd worked in a bakery before coming to Dunder Mifflin. I mean, he's pretty sure she's baked on a professional level. Because baking is love, right? Yeah. Only sweet ladies bake. Sweet ladies who take care of you. Yeah. Aw. 
Well, after this very sweet Michael talking head, we are all going to go out in the parking lot because the party is starting. Oh, yeah. But before we get into that parking lot, Jenna, I need to share a little backstory. Okay. Have you ever been on the phone with someone and you actually hear that person go into a full flop sweat? Where is this going? Because I have. Okay. I have. And that person was Kent Zabornak. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Not only did I remember this, but then I found some emails between Kent and I that really painted the picture. And I wanted to share the story with you guys that I almost didn't make it to the parking lot. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. In my emails, I found that on Thursday, April 10th of 2008, at 4 p.m., I had a routine checkup with my OBGYN. I emailed Kent about it. He said, no problem, Ange. We'll have you wrapped in time to make it to that doctor's appointment. So, lady, while I was at my doctor's appointment, you know how they sort of check all your vitals and do everything. And I had had, like, I, I was feeling like a little bit of cramping, but nothing I was really worried about. And she was like, Angela, you're having contractions. And I said, what? And she said, yeah. And she immediately sent me to the hospital. From your doctor's appointment? From my doctor's appointment at four o'clock. Now I'm in the hospital. I'm having contractions every five minutes. And around six o'clock in the evening, Jenny O'Keefe, who was our second AD, called me to tell me my call time, right? For the next day. For the next day. She's like, hi, Angela, your call time tomorrow is 5.30 a.m. And I said, Jenny, I'm in the hospital. She said, what? And I said, I'm having contractions. And she goes, okay, okay, um, I will uh, get back to you. Literally three seconds later, my phone rings and it's Kent Sabornak. And I will never forget the first thing he said to me. He said, hey, hey, Ange, uh, we having this baby today? <laughs> but like his voice cracked and went up. It's like, well, are we having this baby today? Because what you guys have to know is they were building a freaking Ferris wheel in the parking lot. That's right. And to give you guys some context, this was all happening about three weeks before your due date, right? Yeah. We just had a few more days of filming with you. Everyone just assumed that we would finish this episode and then you would go off on your summer hiatus and have your baby. Yeah. Kent thought he had time. But in reality, you are in the hospital and he was probably standing in the parking lot as they're assembling this Ferris wheel and he's freaking out. Yeah. How does Andy propose if Angela can't be there? Yeah. In front of the Ferris wheel. So I said, Kent, I don't know. I don't know if I'm having this baby tonight. And he said, well, would you keep me posted? And I said, <laughs> sure. And it turned out to be false labor. I was there till about two in the morning. I did have to go work a half day the next day. And let me tell you, Kent had already hired a stunt woman. Her name was Melissa Barker. And she was to be my body double for the rest of this shoot. They really wanted to try to make sure I did not have to work if I was not in a speaking scene, right? They would use Melissa. Angela, it was so weird to have her on set because she was dressed just like you. She had her hair done just like you. From behind, she seriously looked like you. So yes, if there was a scene in the conference room and you were just not speaking, she would be sitting there and I would forget that she wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, this all happened on a Thursday night. By Saturday, Kent sent the whole cast this email. Saturday, April 12th. Hey, you guys, our one-liner schedule will be coming out later tomorrow. 
please be advised that we are trying to shoot Miss Angela Kinsey out next week so she can go rest easily for a full week before delivering her little girl. And to accommodate this, Wednesday through Friday's schedule will be more grueling than normal, especially Friday night's work. Think Ferris wheel and fireworks. We will all take extra precautions to ensure Angela is comfortable and that she remains hydrated every single moment she is here. So prepare for the walkie-talkie chatter. Angela's going 10-1 again. (laughs) So, yeah, I almost didn't make it to the parking lot. Well, I'm glad you made it. I am too. I do remember the whole cast and crew were a little worried. We were concerned. We wanted to make sure that we got your work done first so that you could leave. Yes. And I left and Melissa Barker stayed. So thank you, Melissa Barker. And lady, now everyone is exiting the building, going into the parking lot. 25 minutes, 52 seconds. Ugg alert. Who has the Uggs? Who has the warm, fuzzy Uggs on? Who is this person? It is me. (laughs) And this starts a theme for this episode where they just gave up with me. They were like, just keep her comfortable. And I feel like in almost every shot, you can see my belly and I'm wearing Uggs and no one cares. You know what? I remember watching Seinfeld when Julia Louis-Dreyfus was pregnant. And there were a few times where I feel like it was the same. They were like, you know what? We all know she's pregnant. We're pretending like she's not pregnant because her character's not pregnant. Let's just, we're all in it together, folks. Yeah, we're just giving up. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Michael is very disappointed that there is not an anti-gravity machine, but he is impressed with the Ferris wheel. Yeah, and there's a bouncy house, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, poor Brian, in the heat, had to jump up and down in over and over. And it was so hot in there. And there's deleted scenes of him jumping and jumping. And it didn't even make it in the episode. I know. This is also when Pam clocks the fireworks and she realizes oh my gosh, is Jim going to propose tonight? She's so excited. Lady, I thought you were so good in this episode. I thought your performance was so subtle and the emotion was so there. I just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful job. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah. We had a fan question from Sophie F. Did you get to go on the rides while you weren't filming? No. For insurance purposes, they were not going to let cast members who were not scripted to be on the Ferris wheel, get on the Ferris wheel. Um, They wanted me nowhere near that thing. They were like, hey, big pregnant lady, you're already freaking us out. Stay away. I remember talking to Jen Salata about it, and she said, oh, my gosh, all the writers were, like, so excited. They're like, we're going to ride the Ferris wheel. It's going to be so fun. And then none of them ever wrote it. No. I remember when they had the bouncy houses. Whenever we had a bouncy house, you know, there'd be someone be like, oh, could the kids come by today? They're like, nope. Mm-hmm. No one get on those things. Well, two people who were allowed to get on the Ferris wheel. I remember when they shot this, Angela, these poor guys. Do you know how many times they had to go around that Ferris wheel? Just as a person who rode the Jurassic Park ride for 12 hours, you know how old it gets. <laughs> it's a trigger for you. It it's is. It's a trigger. And I watched them ride that Ferris wheel for about an hour. I don't understand how they weren't completely sick. When you watch the episode, you see one scene between Michael and Holly on the Ferris wheel, but there are more. And they're in the deleted scenes, and they're really cute. So they were in there for a while. Yeah, I remember that. One of the Ferris wheel scenes that I love is Michael is telling Holly a story, and right as they get to the top of the Ferris wheel, she shakes the cart, like kind of leans forward so it rocks, and he goes, oh my God! 
And then they both start laughing and he's like, you got me. You know, it's so cute. It's like something Michael would have done. Yes. That probably would annoy anyone else. Yeah. Because that's an annoying thing to do. It really is. Yeah. And and he's delighted by it. So cute. Well, when they finally get off the Ferris wheel, Holly catches Moe's, Dwight, and Meredith doing something to her car. What are you doing to my car? Well, what they're doing is putting a raccoon inside of it because they're still hazing her. Yeah. And you guys might be curious, why is Meredith involved with Dwight and Moses hazing? We learn in a deleted scene that Meredith is not a fan of Holly. Can you guys play the clip? I think that makes us neighbors. It's a couple streets over. Oh, maybe you can show me some of the fun hangouts or where to get my nails done. Sure, that sounds fun. Great. I hate that bitch. I want to cut her face. It just comes out of nowhere. Holly is like, hey, I think we're neighbors. Maybe we could do stuff together. And then immediately as she walks away, Meredith is like, I hate that bitch. And Dwight overhears this and he's like, "Uh uh-huh, I have an accomplice. And there's all these really fun scenes between Dwight and Meredith as they plan out all these different pranks. They're great. They're on the DVD. And I texted with Kate because in the script, there's some direction I want to read to you. It says, Michael leads Holly away in the background Dwight casually opens Holly's car door, releasing the badger. Then there's an asterisk, and it says the raccoon instantly attacks Meredith. So I was like, is it a badger or is it a raccoon? But either way, I texted Kate, and I said, did you have to film getting attacked by a raccoon? Jen Salata said the original outline for the script had them putting a badger in the car. Oh! Instead of a raccoon. But... They couldn't find a trained badger to attack Meredith. Well, who knew? So Kent got a raccoon from this place called Critters of the Cinema. But then they realized that even a raccoon is not really trained well enough for an attack scene, at least not to the point where they felt like they wanted Kate to have a raccoon on her. Yeah. So they hired a stunt double to do it. But then they realized the best way to do it was maybe with CGI. So they did a shot of Kate just flailing around as if she was being attacked by a raccoon. But in the end, the whole thing got cut. Yeah. However, Kate said that there is a scene later where she has scratch marks on her face. Yeah. I texted Kate and she said they filmed her screaming and running around. Then they didn't end up using any of it. And she said, once again, the animals have better representation than me. (laughs) Very funny. Because she always gets roped into these animal attacks. I found an old interview that Mike Schur did as Moe's talking about the raccoon. Oh, yeah? This is what Moe's has to say about it. Quote, I love the raccoon. The (laughs) raccoon's name is Chair, because when I found him, he was eating a chair. (laughs) He has a brother named Trampoline Leg. Chair is very nice. I made sure Chair got home safely. Chair would never hurt anyone except once Chair bit my cheek when I was feeding him a lemon. End quote. Moe's the conversationalist. Michael really comes to Holly's defense, you know? He tells them they should be ashamed of themselves and that that Holly is the best thing to happen to this company since World War II. And she is going to be so appreciative that she touches Michael's arm and it kind of lingers there for a second. For a second, I counted. Nine seconds. Count that out. One, 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come on, that's a lingering touch right there. This talking head broke my heart. Mm. He's so excited. This is so good. He says, did you see that? Did you see that? He's kind of talking to the documentarian crew, right? He's like, you know, Jan didn't believe in affection. So sometimes he just doesn't know how to react when a girl touches him, but he really likes it. Holly is so perfect for him. I know. But there's a problem at the party, Angela. I'm sorry to tell you the barbecue sauce is out. Oh, yeah. By the way, do you know who's doing the barbecuing? It's Gino and Leo from Vance Refrigeration, played by Gene Stupnitsky and Lee Eisenberg, our two writers. <laughs> they were perfect as those guys. I, I don't know. know if that's a compliment or not, but <laughs> they were great as those two idiots. Well, Phyllis tells Kevin, you need to go get more barbecue sauce. Well, guess what? There was a deleted scene where Angela's like, Phyllis, I got it. No problem. And she's like, really? And she's like, yeah, I'll get the barbecue sauce. Don't worry about it. And Phyllis is like, oh, okay, thanks. And then Angela never goes and gets the barbecue sauce. And then Phyllis goes, hey, Angela, they really need the barbecue sauce. And I said, oh, oops, I forgot. Now you know what it's like to work with someone who's an incompetent assistant. Phyllis is like so ticked. And that's when she goes to Kevin and says, Kevin, can you go get the barbecue sauce? So there's a lot of deleted Phyllis and Angela in this episode that really, really ratchets up Phyllis's pissed offness towards Angela. You know what that is from Angela? That's some sandwich right there. Sabotage. Sabotage. Yeah. It's time for Michael's big speech. There can't really be a party without a speech from Michael, right? Mm-hmm. Except it's not just a speech. He's going to sing for us, guys. Oh, wait, wait. First of all, he makes a huge thank you to Phyllis mm-hmm. for throwing the best party they've ever had. At 29, 22 seconds, this might be the biggest Angela eye roll of the whole entire series. Yeah. It's a full body eye roll. Angela, I'm going to say something to you right now, and you're just going to have to hear it. What? He's not wrong. This is the best party. It's the best party. Okay, fine. Outside of maybe casino night, where I think maybe Michael hired, you know, a professional party committee or something. But for a homemade office party, Phyllis nailed it. It's great. She did. She nailed it. What you guys don't even know, because it's in deleted scenes, is there were corn dogs that made Stanley and Oscar happy. There were deep fried Twinkies. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were all kinds of things happening here. And during this speech, thanking Phyllis, Michael is going to go on to say, hey, Toby, why don't you come up here? Give a farewell speech. Toby doesn't want to. Michael forces him to. It's a deleted scene. It's delicious. You got to hear Toby's farewell speech. Toby, Toby, Toby. Toby has written a fantastic speech for you. He spent a year on it. It's very funny and charming and heartwarming, and it rhymes. And if it's not any good, he has instructed us all to storm the stage and beat him to a bloody pulp. <laughs> so, so take it away, Toby! Well, uh, okay. Um... It's really great to be here tonight. The uh, Ferris wheel, band, the low sunlight. I'm gonna miss you all when I go to Costa Rica. 
And if I keep drinking beer like this, I'm going to have to take a leaker. <laughs> Look, on a more personal note, I just want to say thanks. You know, no matter what was going on in my life, you know, my divorce or the custody battle or that thing with my sister, it was just nice knowing I had a, a supportive place uh, to come to. Okay, where, okay, play the cutoff music. Uh, no. I'm going to really miss going to beers with you guys every Tuesday night. And lastly, I'd love to urge you to keep up with my fight to have the building checked for radon gas. You know, it's uh, it's a real serious matter, and every time blah, I try to blah, have blah, it, blah, uh, blah, building blah, blah, overstaying, you're welcome. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Toby, everybody. Okay, Angela, I remember filming that, and I especially remember the part when he says how much he loved going out for beers with us every Tuesday night and the look on Michael's face. Michael's like, wait, what? People go out for drinks every Tuesday? Yeah, Michael has clearly never been invited to beers on Tuesday. No. And then I love Toby's last thing was this plea about the radon. Yes, which is, by the way, going to play out all the way until season nine. I know. It's so good. So Michael is going to sing for Toby. He's going to sing a parody of Goodbye Stranger. Called Goodbye Toby, we had a fan question from Stephanie, Claire, Yvette, and Ashley, who said, who wrote the amazing parody song, Goodbye Toby? Guys, Paul Lieberstein. Paul Lieberstein wrote the lyrics to his own character's goodbye parody song. (laughs) (laughs) But in this speech, Michael says, you guys know I'm an accomplished songwriter. Mm -hmm. To which Pam under her breath says, a parody songwriter. Yes. And he mentions two of the other songs he's famous for are Beers in Heaven and Total Eclipse of the Fart. I went online and I found this old interview that Paul Lieberstein did where he revealed the lyrics Ah! for Beers in (laughs) Heaven and Total Eclipse of the Fart. And we might have done something with those lyrics. Angela, do you want to tell everybody? We did. When Jenna emailed our group here that she found the original lyrics, we got so tickled. So I asked my husband, Josh, who was the acapella guy in college. Aka what? Oh, yeah, that was Josh. And Josh sings Beers in Heaven. That was just a little window into Josh's karaoke evenings. His voice is so good. (laughs) He's really got a good voice. But Bears in Heaven, getting to really hear it in all of its beauty. I loved it. I laughed so hard. I loved every minute. And Jenna, one of the sound engineers at Earwolf, Jordan Duffy, 
is going to sing Total Eclipse of the Fart. Now she did an inspired version off of what Paul wrote. She might have added in some fart sounds. Let's hear it. Every now and then I get a little bit stinky And the thoughts are coming out of my butt Every now and then I got a fart Every now and then I got a fart And I need to fart tonight And I need to fart forever And I need to fart tonight And I need to fart forever And if you'll only put my Well done, guys. Thank you so much for bringing these Michael Parody songs to life. You know, I have to say, especially Total Eclipse of the Fart, it really took me back. Do you remember the Dan Band? Yes. I freaking love the Dan Band. I saw them live many times. Guys, you know that Adam Sandler movie, The Wedding Singer? Mm-hmm. The Dan Band is featured in The Wedding Singer, and they are just like this amazing cover band. They do all these hits from the 80s, but, you know, they kind of curse through them and stuff, and they put all these comedy bits in them, and they actually do a total eclipse of the heart that is a showstopper. Check it out on YouTube. You'll love it. I love it. That's what it made me think of. I love it. Well, we also got a fan question from Carolyn W. and Ashley W. Who are the other musicians in Daryl's band? Oh, great question. Are they the same band from Booze Cruise? No. The band from Booze Cruise is different. The guys in this band were the guys in Craig Robinson's real band in real life. Oh, that's great. On bass is his brother, Chris Robb. The drummer is Asa Watkins. And David Sampson is on guitar. And I remember Angela Steve did a lot of improvising during this scene. He did one whole bit where he danced. He took a big dance break. During one of them, he took the guitar and like did Mm -hmm. a full-on guitar solo. It was amazing. They had so much to choose from. Was any of that stuff in the deleted scenes? No, it wasn't. Oh, I know. But there's so much there. There's footage of Steve just going off. And on a crazy hot day in a suit. And he is just freaking giving Toby the send off of the year. I was hot just sitting and watching it. I can't imagine what that was like for Steve. But when I was watching this with Lee, he said one of his favorite things about this episode was the way we had that harsh back sun beating down on Steve and all of us. He said, I've 
been at those things. I've been at those company events and you're hot and you're sitting at the little table. And we're all having to like cover our eyes even to see. Yes. He thought that was so great. And he pointed out so many times in television and movies, they don't do that. They don't have like that harsh beating sun. Oh, no, they'll tarp things or they'll they'll like shoot at that golden hour where everyone looks amazing and no one has to squint. He thought it was a real nod to the authenticity of the documentary style of the show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, your husband's looking at it with a director's eye, and that's such a great catch. And there is a talking head in the script that's not in the deleted scenes where after this whole crazy performance, Michael's like, you know what? I've just got to sweat Toby out. I'm sweating him out. (laughs) Well, Pam has a very sweet talking head. She says that she's going to miss Toby because he was a calming presence in the office. And then if only Toby could hear, she says, don't tell him I said this, but I always thought he was kind of cute. Oh, you know, years later, Toby's going to see this and like fall off his chair. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's a series of deleted talking heads where people sort of talk about their relationship to Toby, what they'll remember about Toby. But there's one in the script that didn't make it to the deleted scenes that I have to share with you. It's Oscar. And he says, well, the Finer Things Club is going to have a spot to fill. Our candidates are Kevin Stanley, Angela Kelly, Meredith Creed. We may have to change it to just the Things Club. Because if one of those people joins, they're not going to be finer anymore. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, Listening to that list, I don't want to be in a club with any of those people. Truly, none of them is going to take the material seriously. Are they going to have too many objections? Angela's going to not want to read half the books you want to read. I know. Mm. All right. Well, there's a very cute Michael Holly flirty flirt scene. She's saying she'd love to hear beers in heaven. And he's like, hey, too soon. Kind of sexual. During this whole conversation in the background, 31 minutes, 19 seconds, you can see Stanley and he's dancing by the band. It's so cute. (laughs) Amazing. Well, during this scene, Michael gets a phone call from Kevin, who's at the supermarket and says, you need to get down here immediately, immediately. So Michael's like, all right. When he gets to the supermarket, he finds out why Kevin called him. Jan is there. Mm-hmm. And Jan is pregnant. Yeah. Pregnant. Jan plus one is there. Fan question from Dorothy J. Was Melora Harden actually pregnant or was it a fake belly? It was a fake belly. Mm-hmm. Melora has two daughters, but they were very much born by this point. Very much born. <laughs> they were. They were not in the belly anymore. No. Jan and Michael are going to catch up. Yeah. Michael is so happy. He's deliriously happy. But Jan says, you're not the father. No. And Michael says, you cheated on me when I specifically asked you not to? He also shares that they were very cautious and he had to wear two condoms. Yeah. But the timing, it's clear that this pregnancy happened while they were still together. And she explains, that is true, we were together, Mm -hmm. but I went to a sperm bank. A really good one, not just any sperm bank. It's the really, really good one next to the IHOP. Yeah. 
Jenna, in the script, and it didn't make it to the deleted scenes, Jan reveals whose sperm she bought. What? Yes. Whose sperm is it? Jan says, you have to pay top dollar, but it's worth it. Now, here's the best part. I got Andy Roddick's sperm. (laughs) What? Yeah. And Jan looks to Michael like she's expecting him to be very impressed. And Michael says, the tennis player? And Jan says, well, it's a little more than that. He's the sixth ranked player in the world, and he's won four Grand Slams. And Michael says, that's a lot of Grand Slams, I guess. And Jan says, and he's a humanitarian, something with orphans. And Michael is quiet. And Jan goes, Michael? And Michael says, can I just sit here for a minute without more things coming into my head? Okay, you guys. Andy Roddick was friends with Rain Wilson, and he was a big fan of The Office, and he came by the set. I have to imagine mm-hmm. that the reason they wrote it as being Andy Roddick's sperm was a little bit of a nod to Andy, who has an amazing sense of humor. Me and Lee got to know Andy in Brooklyn through our love of tennis. We would go watch Andy play tennis and sit with Brooklyn, and... um Oh, my gosh. I am so sad for his sake that this did not stay in the episode because... I know. I got to know Brooklyn myself through some charity work, and I was like, I kind of want to text her this couplet of dialogue. I was cracking up. So Andy Roddick is the father of Jan's baby. Incredible. Incredible. Anyway, that's in the shooting draft. It didn't make it to the screen or the deleted scenes, but I thought that was hilarious, and I had to share. Well, Jan tells Michael, I'm so happy I've gotten this off my chest. And by the way, if you want to come to my Lamaze class, I'd love to have you there. But Michael says, I I need to think about it. I need to think about it. And he has this talking head where he says his whole life he's known two things. He loves sex and he wants to have kids. He always thought those things would go hand in hand. But, you know, now it's one or the other. So Michael does this talking head standing outside of the supermarket, and we put up a sign that it was a Garrity supermarket. And that is a real supermarket, a family-run grocery store chain in Pennsylvania. And I looked it up, Angela, and it is so charming and amazing. Yeah. You go to their website, and you can click on this thing on their website that says, who is mom? Who is mom? I was intrigued. I clicked. And it explains that Garrity's is run by Joyce Mom Fasula. She is the president and CEO of Garrity's. That's why their slogan is, Garrity's, where mom's in charge. She was born in 1947 in Scranton. She graduated from Maywood University with a master's in counseling and education, and she was a teacher at North Pocono School District. Then in 1971, she married Neil Fasula, and he ran the family grocery business. She left teaching to raise her two sons, but when her husband, Neil, passed away in 1997, she took over the grocery business. Garrity's is the largest family-owned supermarket business in northeastern Pennsylvania, and it is one of the largest in the country that is owned by a mom. But wait, there's more. Okay. Perhaps you'd like to click on the button titled, Who is Aunt Mary? Who is Aunt Mary? Well, Aunt Mary is Joyce's mother-in-law, Mary Fasula. And long before her son, Neil, started the grocery business, Mary would make all of her family recipes and sell them to local businesses and restaurants in Scranton. She made pasta, sauces, meatballs, and Italian cookies. 
When people asked who made this, the shop owners would say, oh, that's our Aunt Mary. Well, the name stuck, and when her son started his grocery business, she started a brand called Aunt Mary's Kitchen, and they sold her stuff at the grocery store. And I'll have you know, I looked it up, they still sell her Italian cookies in the bakery, and they still sell her meatballs and stuffing in the deli. I love it. I went on their website as well. I love the whole story, how it started in 1895 with William Garrity. And then Neil Fasula started working there as a delivery boy in the 60s. It's just been a family-owned business passed down, and I want to go there. Let's put it on the tour list. Let's put it on the tour list. I want to meet mom. I want to meet mom. Guys, back at the party, the fireworks have started. They're very exciting, very romantic. We got a fan question from Hudson M. Were the fireworks real or were they special effects? They were real. Mm Mm-hmm. Kentopedia told me we spent, are you ready for it? Oh, no. How much money? $11,000. How much? $11,000 on the fireworks. Holy moly. Yeah. And we launched them in the field where we used to have, like, overflow parking. We cleared out the parking lot, and that's where they shot them off. So the fireworks are going off. People are impressed, except Angela Martin, who tells Phyllis she will never plan another party again. Why not? It was a great party. Ease up, Angela. She's not having it. Guys, Jim gets the ring out of his pocket. He's holding it. He's hiding it. He's about to propose. This is going to be amazing. And I'm going to make us take a break. We'll tell you what happens in just a second. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to time, all in one place. Well, we've told you before that we use Squarespace for our Office Ladies website, and it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people, and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash officeladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I'm loving Hungry Root. Oh my gosh, yes, Jenna, we're loving Hungry Root too. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, kids' snacks and meals, and vitamins and supplements. Well, I took the quiz over on Hungry Root, and oh my gosh, they nailed it. One of the things that I really wanted was I wanted a salmon dish that was quick and easy. I said I wanted to cook food in less than 12 minutes. I was very ambitious. This was one of the choices, and they sent me a miso salmon that, oh my goodness, it blew my mind. And it was easy. It was maybe five ingredients. So tasty, so fresh. I loved it. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Office Ladies listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Office Ladies. 
Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Okay, guys, we're back. Remember, Jim's got a ring in his hand. He's going to propose. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Ah! And then? And then Andy grabs the microphone. His parents are there. There's fireworks. This is the moment. (laughs) All right. We had a fan question from Jenna C. and Chelsea B. There are a lot of spoilers in this. So if for some reason you've not seen the whole series, just fast forward 15 seconds. Here's what they have to say. What is the deal with Andy's family? When we see Andy's parents again in season eight, Garden Party, they are different actors and they have different names. This is true. In season six, Andy says if it weren't for secretaries, he wouldn't have a stepmom. In season five, Andy says there's a place his parents decided not to get divorced. So what is happening? In season nine, Andy's dad leaves with all the family money and a younger woman. And then Wikipedia says that his mom died and the woman we meet is his stepmom. But they're like, we don't remember that. Uh, They said, frankly, every time we talk about Andy's family, it's different. What is going on? Can you check the show Bible, please? Please, can you give us any clarity? I'm guessing no one entered anything in the show Bible and they kept making things up and people couldn't remember what's going on. Well, Angela, you would be correct. I talked to Jen Salata about it. She said, here's what happened. Andy's parents were seen briefly in this episode as extras, but when it came time to bring them on for real, they had to be cast. So they had to hire actors to do these speaking roles. They held auditions, and that's why they changed. She said, as far as all of the other inconsistencies, she says, I have no idea. Just clearly we were not paying attention and we were just writing what was funniest. She said she really believes that Genesee and Chelsea B should work in continuity. (laughs) She commends their question. Yes, great job. Well, guys, since his parents are there, this set of parents at least, he is going to propose to Angela. He asked her to come up on stage. She won't go. So he's going to drag the microphone and keyboard to her. Yeah, he's going to wreck Daryl's keyboard and go to his lady. Yeah. You can see my belly in this shot. Oh, for sure. In this whole scene, I'm just pregnant and no one cares. I loved shooting this scene. Angela, I loved that the reason your character says she won't get up is because you couldn't get up or we would see your belly. But it's one of those moments where real life, they had to fix that. Why wouldn't Angela get up? So they write this great joke that she refuses to stand, which is just so funny, which I'm not sure they would have thought of if not for the problem of you not being able to stand. Yeah. I love that. I loved when he was like, will you marry me? And my character's like, okay. And then he's like, into the microphone, babe. (laughs) I'm like, I said, okay. Can you imagine if you asked someone to marry them and their answer was, I said, okay. With a bite to it. I said, okay. And the crowd goes wild. I know. Kelly runs up and says, can I be a bridesmaid? Oh, yeah. And Angela's like, no. (laughs) In the script, there was an Angela talking head after the proposal. First of all, in the script, she starts off the talking head by showing off the engagement ring. It is written that it is a giant yellow diamond with a huge inclusion. 
if you were wondering. <laughs> okay. And then here's Angela's talking head. I don't like options in life. Options make me jittery and crazy, like I just had a cup of green tea. I like order. I like answers. I like knowing this is where you'll work. This is what you'll wear. This is what you'll come home to. Great. Done. Let's get married. I love you too. Says it all. That's all you need to know. She's ordering her life. And I think Dwight is too unpredictable. You just don't know with him and she can't control him. And, you know, she came home to a dead frozen cat and she'll have none of those shenanigans ever again. Well, certainly not with Andy. She is the boss of Andy for sure. Mm -hmm. This is a very comfortable, predictable relationship. That's right. On her terms. Completely. Well, guys, Jim puts the ring away. Oh, I know. He is not going to propose on the same night in the same place that Andy proposes. And Pam seems to be a little bit upset. I have to say, good call, Jim. Well, yeah. I mean, Pam is upset, but she's got to know. Wait, Jim is like a smart guy, and there's no way he would propose to me after that crazy overture from Andy in front of everyone. You don't want that as a part of your engagement story when you go out to dinner and all that jazz. And also, I do want to say, I don't know, did Jim have time to, like, call her parents and ask for her hand in marriage? Because this seems a little traditional to me. There is a scene in the script where Jim is trying to call Pam's mom and is leaving her a message. And he's just like, hey, I've tried you a few times, just need to get a hold of you. So Jim was trying to call your mom. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I don't know who's more bummed, Pam or Dwight. I think Dwight. Yeah. He's really, really sad. He actually says, well, it's my own fault. Yeah. But Pam is pretty bummed, and it's right at this moment that Toby is going to try to take a picture with her. Yeah. He's got this fancy camera, which I do remember there's a whole deleted scene where he has purchased this fancy camera. (laughs) Yes. Suddenly. It's really funny, you guys. I filmed it and I texted it to Paul because it made me laugh so hard. He comes in with this camera and he asks Jim, he's like, hey, picture? And Jim and Pam are at reception talking and Jim and Pam are like, sure. And they start posing for Toby to take pictures of them. And they're like, smiley, silly one, crazy one. And like, Toby is like, oh God. And he just walks away. It's so funny. But he's clearly gone out and... He's pretending like he bought it for Costa Rica, but the truth is he's bought this very fancy camera so he could get a picture with Pam. It's finally going to happen. Yeah. Meredith takes a picture. She says, Pam, your smile is weird. (laughs) She's distracted by her non-proposal that just happened. But Toby is delighted. You see him later just like sitting and scrolling through these pictures of him and Pam. Right about this time, Michael gets back to the party and Holly tells him all about what happened. Andy proposed to an accountant. And Michael says, well, it could have been Oscar or Angela, really. <laughs> like, Yes, he could see either one happening. And that's when Holly opens the door. She says, gosh, even after all these ribs and this whole party, I'm still a little hungry. I thought maybe I'd go get some dessert. Michael says, oh, you should go to the Glider Diner. Ask Stanley about it. He goes there all the time. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, Michael is distracted. Yeah. He has just had such a huge life curveball thrown at him. He's just not there in the moment with her. 
Well, Kevin's there in the moment. He overhears. He says, let's go. She's like, great. That's terrific. So now she's going to go off and have dessert with Kevin. Angela, I looked up the Glider Diner. It's a real place. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's in downtown Scranton. It's right across from the Scranton Memorial Stadium. It was opened in 1945 by Chappie Lestrange and the late Gene Cosgrove Sr. Chappie Lestrange? Chappie Lestrange. That is a name and then some. I love it. What about his partner, Gene Cosgrove Sr.? I mean, come on, these two. These are great names, Chappie and Gene. They were both in the service together. And when they got out, they decided they wanted to go in the restaurant business. It was tough times at first. Chappie had to sell tires on the side to keep things going. But it succeeded, and the restaurant is still run by Chappie and his son, Charlie. Chappie and Charlie. This was any inspiration for what's coming ahead in Workbus, where Laverne's pies and tires. I wonder. This is a diner, and he had to sell tires on the side. It's very possible. The Glider Diner is open seven days a week, and they're open until 10 p.m. Monday through Saturday. So don't worry. Holly and Kevin have plenty of time to get dessert, and here are their choices. I looked up the desserts. They can have rice pudding, baked pie, cake slice, baked pie with ice cream, tapioca pudding, ice cream sundae, ice cream, or special dessert. Lady, can we add this to the tour list? And can I just propose that we get special dessert? Whatever it is, we're ordering special dessert at the Glider Diner. We're going to go spend like two weeks in Pennsylvania. (laughs) We're going to go hit all the spots. We really are. I want to have some of Aunt Mary's meatballs over at Garrity's, and then we're going to finish it off with some special dessert at Glider Diner. Mm -hmm. Even though Michael is distracted by Jan and the new baby bump, He's going to remember it's time for Toby to go, and he's going to grab Hank, the security guard, and they're going to escort him out of the damn building. Lady, is there anyone better than Hank? No, Hank's the best. He has like one line, and it's just everything about the way he's standing, his body language. Yeah. All of it. It's perfect. Hugh Dane was just fantastic. He was just perfect. And as they're walking out, Toby's watch has an alarm that goes off. Well, remember, Michael said it in the morning to the moment that Toby would leave. Mm -hmm. And now he's finally gone. And there is this great Michael talking head. We clearly shot it upstairs in the writer's offices because the Ferris wheel is rotating. You can see the lights out the window. It's really pretty. It's really a nice shot. And... He's decided to go to Jan's Lamaze class, and he says, you know, if there are any details you need to fill me in on, like what exactly Lamaze is, that would be great. (laughs) Well, as if this episode didn't have enough, we've got this tag. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Phyllis is in the elevator. She's talking to camera. She is so excited about how her party went. She says party planning is like a runner's high. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, her adrenaline, right? But then she overhears a noise, Angela, in the office. Mm-hmm. And she walks in the front door and tell us what does she see? Oh, my gosh. She sees Dwight and Angela, like, in the throes of passion. You guys don't have clothes on. What is going on? Well, lady... <laughs> Just talk to Paul Feig about how difficult filming this scene was. In the script, it says Phyllis walks in and sees Dwight and Angela having sex. 
Okay. <laughs> How do you do that? A, network television. B, when the female actress is incredibly pregnant, right? So poor Paul. I feel like Paul Feig always had to deal with awkward stuff with Dwight and Angela and figure out how best to show it, right? We had a whole rehearsal with camera, with no one else in the bullpen, where we tried to simulate a sexy looking shot, and it was impossible. You could not hide my belly. So what they decided to do is, A, Rain has his shirt off. If you'll notice, all they did was take my hair down from the ponytail And I have a few buttons undone, but I'm fully in my maternity romper. But here's the thing, Angela. Your character was always so buttoned up that just to have like your decolletage showing is so shocking. Well, and to have my hair down and all askew like that. For sure. So they decided rain shirt off was all they needed. Me looking disheveled. They did a very far away shot and they framed it over the file cabinet. But all they really needed was for Phyllis to see me and me to see Phyllis. And that was that. Well, Rain talked about rehearsing this scene, Angela. Mm -hmm. He said, yes, you tried a lot of different locations during your rehearsal. He said you guys tried having sex on the copy machine, on Creed's desk, on Michael's desk, on the mail cart, and on the floor by the file cabinets. Yes. That's a lot of places. We did. And here's the thing. You have Paul Feig. You have the camera crew. And we're just literally going around the office. Where could these two people be getting it on where you can't tell I'm pregnant? And I think what really sealed the deal on we have to have it more hidden behind the file cabinet is when we tried the floor. Paul Feig literally started laughing and said, "Okay, stop, stop. (laughs) Well, Rain also said that there was a very big discussion over whether or not he should be wearing his glasses. Yes. Right? Because they'd taken your hair down, like you said. Uh Uh-huh. Then they were like, would Dwight have taken off his glasses? They decided that they had to leave the glasses on so that there would be absolutely no doubt who you were having sex with. In Rain's words, who was straddling America's favorite accountant? (laughs) That's what he said. Well, I took a screen grab of the moment they are busted, and I think it's amazing. (laughs) It's so good. It looks like a cover of a romance novel. I know, like a cheesy, cheesy romance novel. I'm going to put it in our stories. It's really good. Oh, will someone take that screen grab, please, after Angela posts it and turn that into the cover of a romance novel for me, please? (laughs) Please. I'm begging you. It's pretty great. Well, you know, Jenna, this script would have ended with a Phyllis talking head. What? Yes. In the script, the final moment of this episode is Phyllis, and she is described like this. Phyllis talking head. Phyllis is sitting back, relaxed and confident. You're looking at the new head of the party planning committee. I think I'll make Angela my assistant so I don't have to do all the boring stuff. If she doesn't like it, I'm going to (gasps) sing. I love it. I wish that stayed in. I know, I know. And you guys, that was Goodbye, Toby, part two. And that wraps up season four of The Office. I can't believe it. What's next? Weight loss. (gasps) Season five, weight loss. Holy moly. All right, well, we would like to thank Jen Salata, Paul Lieberstein, Kate Flannery, Rain Wilson, and of course, Kent Zbornak for answering our questions for this episode. We love you guys. We'll see you in season five. See you then. 
Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins. Our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. And our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico. Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.